What's up, y'all? This is John and Mike back for another episode of the Nothing Finer Podcast live on Millions. And tonight we are talking about the big matchup in Knoxville this weekend with Dave Hooker, who will be joining us here in a minute and a couple of the other big matchups going on. But before we get into all of that, how have you been and what are you drinking? Uh, I can't complain. Um, you know, late, late day at work last couple days, but it's all good. Um, things gonna be great coming up going to Disney World. So on uh, on Saturday, we're gonna record after the Georgia and Tennessee game or, you know, try to. So it's gonna come out a little bit earlier next week. So just, uh, you know, going through the motions before we get to uh most magical place on earth. Uh, how about you? Same man works. Uh, long weeks at work this week. Thankfully, though, it's been long weeks at a job that is quite literally 15 minutes from the house. Um, there you go. So, you know, even when I get off late for me, it's only a 15 minute ride home. Um, yeah. But other than that, man, it's just been, been, uh, been kind of under the weather for whatever reason, this time of year, whatever's blooming in Athens and Atlanta and is not blooming here, mm-hmm. um, decides that, my sinuses need to be full all the time until I go to sleep and then they need to empty. Um, yeah. So this I, was... I woke up unable to talk. So oh, sure. I, was, I was very concerned about uh, being able to record tonight, but got a few cups of hot tea down. Um, got one sitting next to me and then I have cracked my first uh, my very first bottle win of the fantasy baseball season got to me the other day. Nice. Um, it's a six-year-old rye from uh, Sagamore Spirits. I want to say it's out of New York. Um, mm. 110 proof, straight rye whiskey, six years old. So, And I literally just cracked it and poured the first glass here a minute ago. So we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Have you had any yet? No, I've not. Oh, you um, just oh yeah, you said you just cracked it. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Oh, I didn't say it. I uh, I actually don't have anything with me right now, so I'm I'm sure at some point I'll have to dip out and get some water. <laughs> there you go. But you know, as much as I'm not a fan of a lot of Starbucks stuff, shout out to the Starbucks for they whatever green tea. I literally walked up and said, "Give me a large green tea with honey." Mm-hmm. While I was at lunch on work today, because I was still unable to talk. Yeah. Um, and thankfully, the people at the Starbucks over on uh, over on Wilmington Island are not Starbucks Nazis, and we're like, "Oh, okay, so this is what you mean," and put it in the computer. And I was like, "Yeah, I mean, if that's what I asked for, that's what I mean." Because I don't. All of their sizes just mean large or a size in another language so i i don't get it yeah um i think like paul rudd had a thing in a movie about that about is. like venti means yeah all that yeah grande and venti it's all it's all big yeah it's supposed it, to just, be. it just means big in other languages and yeah. they're small is not big so i don't quite understand that <laughs> um they're no. they're from seattle i uh, i don't know how else to put it west coast weirdos um but yeah man um also, should be getting my octopus tattoo finished here soon. So oh, hell yeah. Maybe, that'll be dope. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping for, for Christmas, I'm supposed to get my, the other uh, Kirby acronym on my other leg because I have the 
about them fucking dogs on one leg. I'm supposed to get uh, fuck the motherfuckers on the other one. So at some point soon, it will, it will happen. You know, honestly, if we ever, you know, start to not lose money on this, we should get um, the logo tattooed somewhere. Both of us. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. We need to sell some more merch. We've got a couple, yes. couple, couple buyers, um, um, including me. I should, mine's supposed to get here tomorrow or sometime before, uh, before Monday. So, looking yeah. forward to it. It's supposed to be shipping out of Texas, which I kind of surprised that, but that works. Right. You know, the joke that was made in the group chat might not be true after all. So let's go. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Some, <laughs> never mind. Nothing, never, nothing. We're on millions right now. I'm not going to say anything. Um, yeah, no. So our merch is live on millions. If you're interested in that, once again, I'm not like, I'm not even going to bullshit and act like we designed it, but even if it well, we, wasn't ours, we, we had, we had, we had input on it. We did. We did. Yeah. We didn't fully design it, but we did have input on it. Um, yeah. Had the vision. Just they, they made it work. If, if we if it wasn't our merch, I would still buy it. Mm -hmm. Especially, you know, I'm a big UFC fan, so the reigning defending part, love it. Undisputed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I'm. So I thought worried. of I thought of Paul Heyman from uh, WWE more so than UFC, but it's I, the same difference. Yeah, Bruce Buffer when yeah. when they're doing a fight, he goes the reigning defending undisputed heavyweight champion of the world you know yeah bruce buffer is also on millions so i really would love to get him on at some point because oh god dude his intros mm -hmm. like most of the time kelsey doesn't give shit about a ufc fight so i watch it on yeah. my phone while something else is on the tv but i turn the volume all the way up for his intros and back down. As you should. They they pay they probably pay him more to do that than uh actual fighters. Oh man, I'm so disappointed last week. I was still in the car when uh mm. when both of those fights went down in the in the main event. I know most of you guys probably are not UFC fans, but the John Jones had to vacate the heavyweight title because of an injury. Bone, Bone, Bones Jones. Yeah, he got injured, yeah. vacated the title. A guy took the fight on short notice against a guy who has a six-fight first-round knockout streak going mm. and knocked the guy with the streak out in the first round Ooh. on short notice to win the title. And then Alex Pereira, um, who his, his nickname is uh, Made of Stone in his native Brazilian tongue, Oh it's, God! It's not Portuguese. Like he has an Amazonian mm -hmm. language that's his, like his tribe. Oh and wow! His name is literally made of stone in his native tongue. Um, <laughs> knocked out the guy who had knocked out his mentor to win the title about a year ago. So, hmm. yeah, no, it was. I'm very disappointed. I didn't get to watch those because you know, obviously, leaving the Ole Miss game, walking almost a mile back to the car was uh it was a lot yeah can't say that i blame you yeah um but no they should be joining us here in a minute but while we're waiting on him other than georgia game 
Mm-hmm. What game are you looking forward to the most this weekend? It's tough because we kind of alluded to it on Sunday when we last recorded that this slate's kind of kind of bare. I mean, it's you know it's the last second to last week of the regular season. Uh, SEC teams especially are you know gearing up for that rivalry game, except for Georgia because you know Georgia Tech isn't. I mean, they're they're better than they have been the last you know a few years for sure, but. Uh, you know, obviously we have Tennessee games, the best game on the slate. But besides that, honestly, I'm looking forward to uh, Florida and Missouri, not because it's going to be a good game, because I expect it to be a slaughter. And that's one of the that's one games of the I pick for the best bets. But um, just just to watch Florida's fans uh, squirm a little bit more, knowing that they're not going to go to a bowl game <laughs> this year, when uh, it was supposed to be a better year, they're supposed to contend at least for second with a uh, with a uh, Tennessee Tennessee. And uh, that is not going to happen. So yeah. that Missouri and just watching Corey Corey Schrader, uh, Cody. Oh, that's what I said. Um, <laughs> but watching him, watching him run and uh and you know Brady Cook's progression and all that, and Luther Burden and all that, like Missouri should be at least like right now America's team and not not Michigan, like Jim Harbaugh said in his press conference, which made. Not a whole lot of sense. I mean, as much as I like to think that everybody's on board with uh, what's going on, they're not. <laughs> they're, yeah. That's like saying the Astros are America's team, and uh, decidedly, decidedly, they're not. Right. Um, you know what I think we should do? What's up? If Georgia Tech wins their game this weekend and becomes bowl eligible for the first time in like four years, we should try and get somebody on to talk Georgia Tech next week. Ooh, hmm. It's in Atlanta. They got a ludicrous concert. Yep. Um, I night game for the first time since 2013. I mean, was it only that recent? I mean, I know that was 10 years ago. It was only that recent. Like I swear, uh, it was like standard definition time the last time they they had a night game. I don't even know. It w- definitely wasn't 2013. So that was a social media fact that I saw. And just repeated it without looking it up. But it was not 2013 mm-hmm. that it was a night game. Because 2013 um, was the year that Georgia and Georgia Tech went into overtime for the first time ever. Georgia mm-hmm. won that game. And we flipped the channel at the house, at my brother's house to the very next play that we saw of football that day was the kick six. Oh, shit. So that was so not end, a it, night game. Yeah. Well, that that game ended at night. It did end at night, but it's also yeah. late November. Um, That's true. So it ended like six, like two. Yeah. Right. So. Oof. Um. Yeah, but what? Yeah, that's. I feel like it was like in the early two thousands. Like it's it's been a while. Let's see if. Um, let's check Wikipedia because they're known for being 100% factual all the time mm-hmm. and they don't have game time. Yeah, they don't usually have kick, kick times for oh. that. I know this is great audio right now, guys. I apologize. <laughs> um, 
I'm trying to figure it out. If ESPN doesn't even have kick times, we're just going to have to trust the random internet fact. Yeah, there's no way that that, that was well, 2013 that was, was a 330 game. Yeah. Um, twenty twelve was noon game, like most of them are. I was going to say that was that was the thing that irritated me the most about this series when we talked about it in the in the preseason or in the off season. That you know, I don't remember when exactly we talked about it, but the fact that this game it gets overshadowed by games like you know Michigan, Ohio State, and Florida. Florida State and 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 just other big time rivalry games, Washington, Washington State. I, I know Washington's probably not at noon, but like it, it gets overshadowed quite a bit, especially when they're usually at the Michigan, Ohio State time at noon, because that's always at noon. Or well, usually at noon, but it's nice to see this at night and uh actually be able to put my full attention on it. Yes. Um good lord. Dog Nation doesn't even have that. <laughs> did did Sanford Stadium even have lights the last time this was a night game? Did they even? Who knows? I really can't find it. I I, I mean I know it was during the Rick era because it hasn't been like that that long, but it I don't know. Last Georgia Georgia Tech night game. Um, if you're in the stream right now. And have some questions. Throw them up there because we've got a few minutes. Ah, 2010. That seems more like it. Okay. 2010, 7.45 kickoff in Athens. So the last night game wasn't even in Athens. Hmm. Um, and hmm. a not great Georgia team in 2010. Well, we do know that Georgia won that game because they haven't lost in Atlanta this uh, this century, right? Um, yes, ninety nine was the last time they lost in Atlanta, and that was an overtime win. Um, so I was incorrect time. about the first overtime. It was the first double overtime game in twenty thirteen. Mm. Okay. Hoping we don't have uh, anything like that this year. But God no. So the neighbor, the neighbor lady that I, I had mentioned her before, I think <laughs> in the off season about her talking shit, saying I'm, I wasn't smart enough to get into tech. She's like, oh, I, I would, I would watch the game at the, uh, you know, the clubhouse in our neighborhood, but I don't want to get barked at the whole time. I'm like, this bitch, I'm gonna go across the fucking street and hit the ring up after the game and go. <laughs> just have the kids do it, all that. So what you should really do is get a programmable horn on your car. And every time you go past her house, just have the Georgia fight song. There we go. That's that's the move. It might be. Might be. Um <laughs> Do you uh do you want to maybe go, go over the other games like first that we have at the end? Yeah, yeah, back? we'll okay. we'll start doing that. So we're gonna go ahead and get into Utah at Arizona, who are one point favorites. Um, you, Arizona being a one point favorite of Utah kind of shocked me. Over under set at forty four and a half. Um, mm. and this is just another week with a tough matchup for our Arizona scrappy dudes. 
Mm-hmm. This time they are playing against the 18th ranked Utah Utes, who it was 18 before the rankings came out yesterday. I'm not sure exactly what it is today. Um, who come into this game having played Washington, Oregon, USC, and Oregon State, and somehow managed to still have the 15th ranked total defense. That's wild. I, yeah. Most teams in the country, if you put them through those four out of their last five games, they're not they're not going to be in top fifteen of mm-hmm. total defense. Um, this may surprise some people, but not our listeners, because we've been on Arizona since week five. But Arizona brings in the thirty first ranked total offense coming into this game. Um, personally, I think this is a close game, but. Mm-hmm. Utah has taken L's to every team ranked over 32nd in total offense this season. So, mm-hmm. right on the line there. Um, and they've given up an average of 34 points per game in those losses. Yeah. And the Utes are averaging 25.3 points per game on offense this season. So, based on those numbers, they're giving up about right at 35 they're getting right at 25. I'm going to take Arizona and the over. And uh, I think the Arizona scrappy dudes find a way to finish third in the Pac-12 after starting the season three and three. I like that. I'm going to I'm going to ride with you with Arizona on that. I'm not totally confident on the over under there. Uh, Arizona has been you know, like we talked about and you talked about been on a hot streak as of late. So I'm a little bit worried that the uh you know, it's going to hit midnight with a uh, with Cinderella or whatever the hell character that is. I wish I should get it straight since I'm going to go there, you know, next week. But um, I'm going to go with Arizona as well to, at this point as, as it's pretty much a pick em with them being slightly favorable. I'm going to go with Arizona, but I'm going to stay away from the over-under um, on that. Um, do you know what time that, uh, that kicks? Because a lot of these – I think a lot of the games that I talk about on my best bets are like after that uh, – after we're going to uh, talk on Saturday. Um, it's got to be a late one. It's at Arizona. So I thought it was, but for some reason I thought it was three thirty. Um, I'll check it up if you want to go ahead and uh, intro this next one. Okay. So, <clears throat> so it's actually so your bandwagon team Washington's going uh, to Corvallis to face Oregon State. Oregon State's a two and a half point favorite. The over under is sixty three and a half. And y'all, y'all know by now that Washington is again John's bandwagon team, and as a principal pick, he takes it as a money line. But that's not going to stop us from giving y'all some stats about it. Washington is bringing in the fifth ranked scoring offense against the Beavs, who is thirty second ranked uh, scoring defense in FBS out of one hundred thirty three teams. On the flip side of that, Oregon State has the fourteenth ranked scoring offense going against Washington's forty eighth ranked scoring defense, which. I actually kind of surprised Washington's that high. I thought they would have been a little yeah. bit worse. But top fifty defense and top, you know, top five offenses. Again, a reason why they're on the the precipice of being a playoff team, which we'll get into like, you know, later next week after the Apple Cup and we it all kind of settles out. But uh the biggest thing that puts Oregon State in trouble is that they're seventy third in passing defense, allowing two hundred and thirty point five yards per game. And as we know, Michael Penix, still one of the Heisman favorites, and uh as a quarterback, guess what? He likes to throw the ball, so it's probably not good a good thing for the Beavs. <laughs> um, so, like like I said, there you you're uh, you're taking the money line. Yeah, I'm gonna take the money line, and 
you know what? I was I was going to take the over. I don't think I can do it. It's it's tough. Corvallis is is a uh, is an interesting place. Uh, DJU uh, has been pretty hit or miss. I mean, Oregon State's not a bad team. They're kind of picking up where they left off last year, beating the crap out of out of Florida. So it's it, it's tough to say. Now, with one hundred percent, you know, honesty. I don't know how much I've actually paid it, not paid attention, but I've actually watched of Oregon State, so I can't say definitively like how how good DJU is playing. Just I can you know, tell eyeball you statistically, test. Statistically, they are a top twenty passing offense. Some would say that's good. I would. Um, yeah, I would also <laughs> say that's good. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna go with Oregon State, even though they're two and a half point favorite, which is wild. But Vegas knows something. And they're wanting you to take Washington here. Uh, so I'm going to go with Oregon State. Oh. And that's two and a half. I'm going to, they're going to win by at least a field goal. I feel it. All right. We're going to, um, we're going to pause real quick because I need to talk to Mike about something off air. Um, um, sorry about that, guys. Um, Um, sorry about that once again. Um, trying to get my head back on straight. Oh, yes. Um, Washington, Oregon. You guys know, obviously, my pick's Washington here. Um, but going back to the Utah-Arizona time, that's a 230 game. Ooh. Uh, network. Um, so there will be zero people watching it. Like 230 Eastern? Mm-hmm. What a what the eleven thirty local. I think they just try to give Utah the benefit of um people at Arizona not being absolutely trashed unless they keep going from the night before. Um because yeah. I mean that's the reason Gronk went to Arizona is because it was a party school. So it's obviously, you know, they've got a realization yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Um I would much rather watch that at, you know, six thirty. Or yeah. even four. I mean, mm-hmm. Oregon, Arizona State's at four. Oregon's mm-hmm. favored by 23 and a half. And the 630 game they've got on the Pac-12 network is Cal at Stanford. Um, Gross. <laughs> Disgusting. Uh, yeah. Um, funny enough, Cal and Stanford, the only way Cal can make it to a bowl game is if they win against Stanford. And if they win against UCLA. So they're probably not making a bowl game. UCLA has fallen off quite a bit uh, from the beginning of the season, though. Yes, um, they have, and they're probably actually about to fire Chip Kelly is what I read the other day. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, huh. I think the standard at UCLA at this point is honestly just uh, it is just be ranked. Like, threaten, threaten the top of the Pac-12. And mm-hmm. they can't even do that, and it's going to be worse next year. Um, I do think it's a terrible decision to fire Chip Kelly going to the first year in the Big Ten as a team that's not good, but mm-hmm. kind of is, hey, yeah, yeah. is there. I know a guy that's available. Jimbo's not doing it for free, though. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Nope, I was... Train of thought um, got entirely derailed a minute ago, so we'll... I'll <laughs> no, no, it's all... I'll work on it. Um, no, it's all good. All right, so the next game we're talking about, Kansas State at K- 
Kansas, and the Jayhawks are eight-point favorites over under 56.5. I think this rivalry game is actually going to be one of the better games of the weekend. Um, two teams that have been on the come-up over the last few years and both ranked currently. Um, and the Big 12 has been wild this year, so I'm not entirely sure. But I believe that Kansas State is still alive for the Big 12 title game. I believe so. I think um, – let me see here. I thought there's like a, I think there was a three or four way tie for like third right now. And I mean, they're only like one game back or maybe it's second. I don't know. I'll have to, I'll have to look in a second while you're talking about that. But can you said Kansas is the eight point favorite. Kansas is an eight point home favorite. Oh, right, I had so wrote that wrong down. Right now in the big 12, Texas only has one conference loss. Oklahoma state, Oklahoma, Iowa State and Kansas are all tied for second with two conference losses. And then you have West Virginia, Texas Tech, and Kansas tied at three conference losses. Hmm. Um, so it could really go anyway. Um, I, I have no idea how, how this was going to, going to go. Um, as far as the Big 12 title game. So, I just want you guys to know that before we get into this segment, Kansas State's going to be purple and Kansas is going to be blue. Because that's a lot of that's a lot of S's all back to back. Um, yeah. So, so we're just, we're just going to call them purple and blue. Uh, so, purple is 12th in scoring offense and blue is 64th in scoring defense. Blue is 31st in scoring offense, and Purple is 21st in scoring defense. In both those statistical comparisons, Purple has the advantage. The problem is, Blue has only lost a single game at home this season to your Texas Tech Red Raiders. Which I even, I forgot to even put them in the dock because I thought about them so little. <laughs> That's funny. Um, oh, um... Okay, train train of thought got completely derailed once again. Um, <laughs> it's, it's all good. So there is something about Lawrence, Kansas, and David Booth Stadium that makes it hard for teams to win. I I don't know if it's the goalposts are still in the lake and they can't kick field goals because of that. I don't know what it is. But this game could be played on moon, on the moon or Mars. I think Kansas State's going to come out on top, taking their money line. You know what? Nope. Backtrack. Taking them plus eight. Okay. All right. So I think, I think they'll win outright, but I'm just mm-hmm. going to take them plus eight. Mm-hmm. That eight is a lot. Eight I, is a lot. And Kansas State. Okay, granted, uh, Missouri was not the team that they were um, at the beginning of the season, and. Obviously, Missouri still beat Kansas State. Gee, I in Kansas again. You talked about it. Kansas lost to Texas Tech, which again, of course they did because I didn't pick them. All right, pick Kansas. Uh, so I'm going to go with Kansas State as well to uh, plus eight because I don't trust Kansas at this point. Not at all. I don't know. I, you know what? I'm going to go the over under. I'm going to go the over there just because I like. I'm I'm hoping that this is high scoring. Yeah, I think this is actually probably one of the better games, of the better competitive games of the weekend. Mm-hmm. Maybe not one of the ones that we're um, we're going to enjoy watching as much, just because 
and, and probably getting their teeth kicked in. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And uh, yeah, they're it's gonna be bad. I mean, I'm still gonna enjoy that, but as far as like a competitive, like oh, this is a good game, that is something that I do not think is gonna happen in uh in Como. <laughs> I can't not even hear it now without thinking of your damn Joe Dirt joke. Oh, you know what? They they're gonna see Como's naked. That's for sure. After this game, after beating Florida, they having a winning record against Florida. Let's go. You know, they only lost that winning record last season. They had it for every oh. year in the SEC up until last year, and Florida tied it last season. Ooh. Okay. So. Did not know that. If Missouri wins this year, they will have had a winning record against Florida for every year of the SEC except for one. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. And they're going to keep going, too. Yeah, so so Dave will be joining us here in a few minutes. Do you want to run through best bets before he gets on? Uh, sure. I'll, I'll I will say real quick because, I, like I said, I didn't talk much about it uh, before, and I'll I'll put it in the doc in a minute. But uh, UCF is going to Lubbock to play uh, Texas Tech. So I'm gonna it's gonna be on FS2, which I have no idea where that's at. Nobody wants to see this game. <laughs> um, you can get into Lubbock for as low as nine dollars. So how much yeah. can you fly to Lubbock for? Probably a ton more because ain't nothing in Lubbock unless you uh you know take like a military plane over there. Um I think I can actually still get on those. So Oh there you go. Maybe. It's probably not nearly as comfortable as like, you know, even like a spirit airline, I assume, right? Um well I will say the when they put in like the pallet palletized seats in a C seventeen, mm-hmm. the seats are comfortable, you just have no leg room. Yeah. Um, so as far as that goes, it's better than Spirit. Okay. But, you know, it's also not insulated and also doesn't have a pressurized cabin, so they have to stay low and it bounces the whole oh. time. So, you know, overall, Spirit's probably still better. That, that's that's god-awful. Um, <laughs> all right, so anyway, with uh, UCF going to Texas Tech, I'm going to take UCF uh, plus two there. Somehow Texas Tech is is favored in that. I'm sorry, I think it's two and a half. Yeah, two and a half, my bad. So still taking uh, UCF to do that, especially after what they did to Oklahoma State last week. Um, I'm, Gus, the Gus bus is is riding hard or fast or whatever. I don't know, because you have to take a bus to get to a little bit. All right, let's run through, uh, let's run through best bets kind of quick. We got about five minutes. Okay, all right. So with mine, uh, first one, North Carolina is going to Clemson. Uh, I'm taking the over 58 and a half. Uh, Clemson uh, can score on mediocre defenses and, you know, look at at uh, at Tech, Notre Dame, and just kind of the list goes on. But they can score on mediocre defenses. Drake May will probably be the Falcons' next quarterback that they'll ruin, you know, after this draft. Uh, so I'm taking the overall day. There's not going to be a whole lot of defense in this. The so. problem is if the Falcons take a quarterback in the first round, they probably won't play him. You know, that's what they do with the rest of their first-round picks. They might not ruin them. Um, Or they'll have them out there, but they won't have them touch the ball. You know, I think, honestly, his best bet, and this is 100% a joke because I know it's a terrible joke to make, his best bet is honestly to get drafted by the Falcons, get a DUI, and get traded to a contender. Like uh, Like Brett Favre? Yeah. (laughs) 
Well, or I mean, Vic uh, did it the, the the worst route or the harder route and went to you know federal prison for a few years, but he can. Yeah, don't don't recommend that. Although I am a fan of the changed man, Michael Vick. Yes. So. I don't I don't like the Falcons, but I do have a Michael Vick signed football mini helmet and jersey in my man cave. Like I said, I like my, I like Michael Vick the player. Uh, just not a Falcon and, fan. And and post post Falcons career, Michael Vick. Yeah. Um. Uh, uh. Yeah, the one that's reincorporated himself into society and is a productive member. Yes. Also rehabilitated. That's the word I was looking for. I mean, he also currently does a lot for um animal animal abuse like mm-hmm. charities and stuff like that. So I I would say he's a significantly better person than he used to be. Shout out mm-hmm. to Vic. Yeah, can't say the same for Marcus. I assume. I think he's he struggled even more. All right, next. Game. Anyway, yeah, who, yeah, no, no one's here for the or Michael Vic talk or, or Vic talk. Anyway, um, Old Dominion at Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern's a six point favorite, and again, not I don't, really don't know anything about Old Dominion, but I can tell you that Georgia Southern has something to pay, something to play for. Uh, Southern can keep. Uh, I'm sorry, Southern can score, and they still have a chance at winning the Sun Belt East as uh, as long as the NCAA keeps JMU out of the postseason, which they just said they denied it just a little bit ago. So JMU is um, not. I in the did postseason. say that. But they will have no choice if there are not enough bowl-eligible teams at the end of the season, and currently less than half of the bowl slots have eligible teams. Just really? throwing that out there. So they would go around that? Yeah, James Madison would make it to a bowl game if there are not enough six-win teams. So would Jacksonville State because they've also won six games and just recently moved up to FBS. Oh, that – okay. that That's some. Just let them fucking go to a bowl game anyway. But anyway, um, <laughs> so they can still win the Sun Belt East if uh, if it if it comes down to that. But uh, Southern plays at App State next week, and then Coastal Coastal Carolina, who is ahead of or who's uh, tied with them, finishes the season with JMU. So they're not Coastal's not going to be JMU. So no. uh, Southern Southern has the uh, tiebreaker with Coastal. So. If uh, Southern can take care of business, they'll have a, a Troy Georgia Southern Conf- uh, Sun Belt Championship at Troy in Alabama because they play their conference championships on campus. So, with that said, I'm taking Georgia Southern minus six. Uh, and then, um, I went back and forth on this, but Illinois is going to Iowa City to play Iowa. The uh, under is thirty and a half, or the over under is thirty and a half. And for a while, I was going to take the over, but then when I kind of dug into like how often the unders hit, it's stupid. So I too many, uh, like I said, too many Iowa unders have hit the season and both offenses showed a little bit of sign of life. Iowa scored the whole 22 points um, and uh, Illinois scored at least 21 in the last three games. Uh, But Illinois has the 89th scoring offense going up against Iowa's defense. It was actually third in the nation at 13 points per game. And uh, Iowa's only behind Michigan at one and Ohio State at two. And then, like, I think the University of Ohio is four. And then, like, Georgia's, like, right behind them. But uh, with that said, I'm actually going to go the under 30 and a half for that because I think uh, Illinois is not going to be able to score on Iowa. And then, finally, so Florida is going to Missouri. Missouri's 11 – 11 point favorite last time I checked uh, Florida was five and two going into uh, the bye week. And then obviously they play Georgia after that. And the wheels have completely fallen off the last three games. Uh, so now they're five and five. So Florida with five L's. I don't do it as good as you. 
but uh, <laughs> they're going to end with uh, seven losses, more than likely. Let's talk about they're going to lose against uh, Missouri and see Como's naked, and then finish at home against Florida State, which is they're not going to win. No. Uh, so uh, Missouri's going to be at least their best team in the SEC. So with that said, Missouri's covering that 11-point spread in Como. All right, so I've only got two right now because, honestly, you got in here before me and took most of the ones that I liked. Um, there's not there's not many games to like. That, you're, you're not wrong. There's really not. Um, most of the spreads this week are like 23, 24 points, and I, I don't like doing those. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got Tulane at Florida Atlantic over 46 and a half. Tulane has allowed multiple fourth quarter comebacks over the last few weeks. They were also in prove-it mode to move up the rankings for a potential New Year's Six Bowl game at the end of the year with only one loss to uh, Ole Miss. So I think Tulane tries to prove something over 46 here. Next one, I've got Louisville minus one at Miami. And honestly, Louisville's just going to win this game. And Mm -hmm. at a one-point spread, take it. Um Miami's been hit or miss all season, and Louisville needs this win to clinch an ACC championship game spot. So Louisville's got to win. Miami either really good or really bad, and that's kind of how they've been all season. And then I'm going to do some player props when they come out later this week. Is uh, Tyler Van Dyke playing? He came back against Florida State, but I don't know if he's playing this week. Okay. I, I wanted to take that game, but then I, I just thought better of it because I'm not I wasn't sure about Van Dyke. So I mean I'm with you there. Again, Louisville's gonna end up playing Florida State in the uh, ACC championship. And Louisville's got a top twenty defense this year. Yeah, that that was another thing that shocked me when I was looking at the at that stuff. So again, probably Louisville's probably the least watched top what top ten team, top twelve team or whatever. Yeah, they. Do I would think I haven't honestly besides the Notre Dame game, I have not watched a minute of them. Uh, yeah, I can't say I have either. Um, I'll record this game, and if I have time, go back and watch it. Apparently, I've recorded so many Ole Miss games this year, this season. Fubo just has a folder of <laughs> For Ole Miss games. games. <laughs> Dave, can you hear us? I can. How are you guys? Doing all right. How are you? Doing well. Never better. Never better. I like the hat. Thank uh, you. G- is that uh, I haven't seen that sort of design, the square thing. That's cool looking. Um, honestly, I got it so long ago, I don't even know where I got it. Sharp cap. How are you guys? Good. Well, how are you? <laughs> well, how's the? Uh, I know the weather's been miserable down in Savannah recently. How's it been up where you're at? Oh, just getting chilly. I hate the cold. I do too. I hate the cold. So mm. it's. Uh, I would just as soon. Uh, even in in my fatter days, I would assume it'd be um, eighty five degrees all the time. I'm kind of weird like that. Uh, no, I I told somebody today I was like I'd rather it be ninety than twenty. But tomorrow it's supposed to be seventy in Savannah, so I might wear shorts again. Yeah, Savannah's a beautiful town. Let me know if you got a couch to crash on. I got man, I got two spare bedrooms with beds in them. No, don't tempt me. One of them is a big size bed. <laughs> there you go. I, I, I grew up in Detroit, so like I, I that's one of the reasons why I moved is to get out of that weather. So I'm happy. I'm down in Savannah as well, so it worked okay. out. Okay, you're both in Savannah. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I love that area. Mm. Yeah, it's um. I'll never move. After I got here, I was like, it's seventy the week of Thanksgiving, and um, there's no traffic. 
count me out anywhere else. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So you ready to talk this game this weekend? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. So Georgia, 10-point favorites going to Knoxville, um, over under 59. And as much trash as I talk about Tennessee, which is probably more than they deserve, I don't want to say that this is probably – I wrote that entirely wrong. I want to say that this is probably Josh Eiffel's best coaching job of his career. Um, last year's team was arguably more talented and experienced at key positions. And although they've lost games this year, the defense has been significantly better. And they've focused more on getting a uh, controlled run game and controlling the clock. And I think that he's changed to build this team around sustained success in the SEC. So I just want to say that. Off top, because I do talk trash. Uh, no, I think that's a really good point. I'll play devil's advocate. How about that? Okay. I think I think had he not been stuck with a quarterback and he didn't go after one in the transfer portal and their highly touted quarterback is supposedly not ready, the freshman five-star Nico, Nico Iamaleva, um, that the quarterback hamstrung him hamstrung him into running the type of uh, scheme that you're talking about a little more ball control so no i think he's done a good job considering he's got a quarterback that can't really run his system and um you know i was playing devil's ad because to some extent but i think he's done a fine job i think there there have been a couple of times um in particular uh, the second half of the alabama game and the missouri game we were wondering a little bit you know that um is this, is this the right coach? But I, I still believe it is, and we'll see if he can get Tennessee anywhere close to a, a championship level, but that's not going to be easy, uh, as you guys know, in the SEC. Absolutely. Do you, um, I, this isn't in there, but if it kind of if it goes bad today or, or even against like Vandy, do you think Nico's going to play? Yeah, that's an interesting question and something I'm working on at offthehooksports.com uh, right now. Um I, I don't think that he's going to play meaningful minutes. I was told in August that uh, they were going to go with uh, Joe Milton no matter what, and it didn't matter what Nico did. And this was uh, by people within the program. And sure enough, that was the case, that Joe Milton would have to play incredibly poorly in consecutive games, or he'd have to get hurt. And that hasn't happened. So uh, will he play going forward? I don't know. Um Probably not based off recent history and what I've been told previously. Excuse me. All right. So now we can talk about some of the negatives, even though there's a little negative tinge to that. But uh, the Vols only, have only won one road game this season uh, with different types of losses. Is there anything about the second half of that Bama game that that was <laughs> – sorry. That was tenant. <laughs> I totally lost my train of thought. Sorry. Here you go. Is there anything about the uh, second half of that Bama game that was Tennessee, or was that just uh, all Alabama second half adjustments? Um, I think it was a big part of Alabama's adjustments, and I was surprised Alabama kind of came out flat in that game um, because I think that was should have been, I would think, a revenge game for them after last year. Uh, but I think that was more Alabama than it was Tennessee. They they got outmatched and outphysicaled, and Alabama's going to do that to some teams. And it was a reminder that Tennessee, though they're closer in some areas in talent, 
in the trenches where it really matters in the SEC, they they've still got some room to go. And uh, one more uh, negative question: what What happened in Columbia last week? Uh, oh, in Columbia, that's a really good question. Um, you know, with the South Carolina game last year, we had um, you had this sense of something happened during the season, and sure enough, it did. And there was an issue with one uh, linebacker got in a fight with uh, Joe Milton, who was the backup quarterback at the time. Missouri, it's still it's still really difficult to figure what happened there, other than just one team played really poorly. I will say this: to Missouri's credit, they came out in a totally different look defensively. I think they've been saving that one since Josh Heupel ran the score up on them last year. I think Eli Drinkwitz is thinking about that, and I was told. Uh, that they just ran a completely different look defensively than what they had run previously. That that doesn't mean that Tennessee shouldn't have adjusted. I'm not making excuses, but I do think that was a factor. So m- now moving on to uh, more of the positive stuff. Tennessee has the eighth-ranked rushing offense this season, but have allowed 16 sacks. Is that an offensive line issue, or is that more Joe Milton holding on to the ball too long? Uh, probably a little bit of both. And if you go back to the opening of the season, first four games, I believe they didn't have their center, Cooper Mays, who puts them in the right protections. So th- I think that was a factor, too. I think he made a big, big difference. Um, but I think Joe Milton does hold the ball a little bit too long. And I think Tennessee has some issues, especially early in the season, that would add to those statistics in, in pass protection, too. Tennessee's going to have to rebuild this offensive line um, and um, uh, for next year, and it's going to be really interesting to see what they're able to put on the field. All right, so we'll, to a lot of fans outside of Knoxville, Joe Milton's passing game doesn't look great, but he's actually 42nd in passing yards per game, 30th in completion percentage, and 37th, 37th in passing yards. So is it more just an outside perception that the passing game is lacking, or is there any truth to that preconceived notion that we have? Well, I mean, all of those stats that you threw at me with uh, a Josh Heupel type, type of offense, if if that's the best you're doing, that's not good. I mean, in th- this offense, your quarterback needs to be in the top 10 in a lot of those categories. So I think that um, I think that clearly uh, Joe Milton is it has had his struggles at times. But I don't necessarily think that it's all his fault. He's had some drops along the way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, 40th around 40th doesn't sound bad for most quarterbacks. That's, that's pretty bad for Josh Heupel's system. So with the running game, there are four different players with over 300 yards with a team total of 213.3 yards per game. How good can this run game be this weekend? Uh, I mean, George is really good up front. So how about a week from Saturday? Really good against Vanderbilt. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, I I think they can be good. I I think they have three really good tailbacks, three guys that are going to play at least two in the NFL. Jabari Small has kind of gotten lost in the shuffle, but Jalen Wright's a very good back. I mean, he's going to be a starter in the NFL. Dylan Sampson, you guys probably remember Alvin Kamara that played at Tennessee, who is now a saint. He reminds me a lot of him. So the the three tailbacks are are really good. And and the offensive line can get in a groove and and run the football. 
but again, that that all is predicated on whether or not that safety is in the box or out of the box. If he's out of the box, he's worried about getting beat by Joe Milton in the passing game, which has been eh. If he's in the box, then he's playing the run, and then numbers are against you. Uh, so how big of an impact does uh, Dante Thornton's injury have on the balls? If you had asked me three weeks ago, I would have said none at all. Uh, that was one of the biggest busts in the transfer portal. Uh, he had <laughs> dropped passes, dropped as many passes as he had caught. But in the previous two games, he was starting to come along. So now I think it's it's significant because they already had an injury. Uh, Brew McCoy is out for the year at receiver and and Tennessee is suddenly thin at a position like quarterback, like we were talking earlier, that they need to excel at under this uh, hypo system. So caveat off of that, um, does Brew McCoy have eligibility left to come back? Because he's actually one of my favorite players in the SEC with what he's able to do. He does have one year left. Um, now he he's he's also going to be able to apply for early retirement because uh, he's been in college football so long. Uh, that was a joke. Um, but he, uh, yeah, he does actually does have one year left. I had to look it up. You know, he transferred from Southern California to Texas, back to Southern California to Tennessee, and with all that, he has one year left and a lot of uh, frequent flyer miles. <laughs> No, I do. I do think if he had a full season healthy, with like obviously if Jalen Hyatt wasn't there last year, I think Brew McCoy probably had twelve hundred yards in that offense that they had last season. I just it it's one of those sliding sliding doors moments of you know Tennessee and his career of like what could have been if he was healthy at the right time and was able to be that feature guy because I I really think that he could be a top two or three receiver in the SEC. Well, you've got an eye for talent. I had an NFL scout tell me that he is the best NFL prospect on Tennessee's roster, um, any position. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, he's, he's thought very highly up at the next level as well. He reminds me a lot of Mike Evans in, in like, every good way you could see it because he's not, he's not, like, the fastest guy on the field, but he runs great routes. And he will literally fight you in the air for the ball and that impeccable catch radius and ability to grab the ball at the high point. Like I, Brew McCoy is one of those guys that it's what could have been. Well, I mean, it's not over yet. Um, right. But yeah, I no, I like the comparison though. I like that. I mean, still that. <laughs> Absolutely. Go hmm. ahead. Um, so moving on to the defense just a little bit, what is the biggest difference between last season and this season? I think Tennessee's better on the, um, a defensive front. Um, they're able to apply pressure to the quarterback at a very, very high rate than last year without blitzing as much. So they're better in the front seven, the back end of that defense though, um, was struggling when we were having this conversation last year and is still struggling this year. They started to get a little bit better. Um, Kamal Haddon started to play well, and then he got hurt. Tennessee has been beset with some key injuries this year. I'm, I'm not making excuses for them, but that is a factor. So uh, they're still not great on the back end, and um, that's that's been an issue that they're going to have to address, uh, both from – uh, player personnel standpoint and a coaching standpoint at, at some point. 
So, uh, you know, Willie Martinez is their defensive backs coach. You guys probably remember that name. Yeah. Um, and it's it just it just ain't rocking in that backfield and, and hasn't <laughs> been uh, under Willie Martinez since he's been at UT. All right, so Tennessee is 24th in rushing defense this season, tied for 7th in sacks. What's the biggest difference in the defensive line between last year and this year? Talent, talent, a whole lot of talent. Um, They're deep there. They're able to go almost too deep at every position. Uh, You got guys like uh, Tyler Barron and James Pierce. I mean, Pierce is a special player. That's a name that you need to remember that he'll be playing in the NFL. The scout I talked to about McCoy told me that about McCoy before he had, he had seen Pierce. So that was uh, earlier this year. So Pierce is uh, going to be a very special player. Um, they just, they, they go too deep with athletic big guys in the front. It's a sign that um, they've been able to cultivate some guys that, that weren't there previously. So um, that's the biggest difference. It's just more, more guys. It's the Jimmy's and Joe's, not the X's and O's. So you kind of touched on it a minute ago. Um, the possible weakness on this defense would be the secondary. Coming in at 69th and passing yards allowed, what do they need to do to have a better game this weekend? Wow. Um, yeah, I think at some point, and I've discussed this on my show, This, th- th- these guys just are these guys. You know, and I don't want to... St- Sounds awful, right? But um, I think these guys are these guys, and these guys are going to go on and do great things in their lives. But be elite defensive backs in the SEC is probably not one of them. <laughs> yeah, what, so, what, what was the old thing they said that uh, we go pro and other more than just sports or something like that? That's probably a yeah. I mean, and I'm not trying to be harsh at all, but. There's a couple of guys I really like. I like Gabe Judy Lawley. I think he's a selfless player. I think Wes Walker's had moments. I mentioned Haddon had come from really horrific to a pretty good player, but now he's hurt. I I don't know that they're going to be able to turn some magical switch in the middle of November and become uh, an above-average secondary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what are you most confident in the Vols doing well this weekend? Most confident in the ball's doing well this weekend. You know, they got one hell of a punter. (laughs) Um, Seriously, the guy can kick with either foot. I kid you not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Some athletes call him amphibious, but it's ambidextrous. (laughs) And um, he can kick with either foot. He can pin it deep. I have complete confidence that Tennessee will punt the ball well. You can maybe go get the uh, the uh, goalpost from the uh, Tennessee River. Why not? If he's amphibious. Yeah, that's right. He could just uh, swim down there like a frog. <laughs> so, and this is, this is not in the outline. Um, what, you know, there were a few months ago, I don't even want to say a few months ago, even a few weeks ago, there were a lot of Tennessee fans that were confident about this game being a revenge game. Is it is it a lot of injury stuff or or is it you know like what's kind of changed the perception of Vol Nation about this this game? Lord, if if Saturday again, are you talking about like recently as of the past couple of weeks or since Saturday? Because if Saturday doesn't change your view of a football team, then I don't know what does. I mean, yeah. you go to Missouri and you know 
show up in the show me state that's pretty bad i mean they got they didn't just get beat they got beat bad mm-hmm. um and then another... i guess that's what i'm asking if you're talking about the past couple of days it's got to be that if you're talking about previous to that you know maybe everybody everybody crows at the beginning of the year for the year starts right like Vanderbilt's going to suddenly win seven games. And um, I think that Tennessee fans, they saw what I've thought all along, and that is Joe Milton has limitations. So I think they probably saw that early on. You probably didn't hear as much trash talking from Tennessee fans after the first few weeks with Joe Milton. And then if anybody's talking trash after Saturday, then they got a set of stones on them because uh, (laughs) it's not a good-looking football team. We, no, we know if you... all the Tennessee fans I know uh, after Saturday were just like, I just hope Georgia doesn't put 50 up. Well, Tennessee yeah. hasn't lost a, a home game since <laughs> since that last Georgia game in uh, 21, right? Uh, yep, I think that is right. Um, I think it's 14 in a row, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, yep. Uh, that's right. So... But they also haven't faced Georgia at home since that last <laughs> time they lost. Um, I mean, it's just yeah, a really the, good It's a really good Georgia team that kind of feels like, I don't, I don't know if it's going to be as long as the Alabama run, but it certainly feels like <clears throat> the, that period of time in which they were just markedly better talent-wise than everybody else. And so could Tennessee win the football game? I mean, yeah, that's what they're going to line them up and play, but they would need uh, a significant amount of breaks. They would need to play with a lot more discipline and a lot more fire than they played with that Missouri, and that's on the players. And the coaches don't need to get out coached because that's what happened. Um, it was kind of a perfect storm in Columbia, and uh, yeah, Tennessee. Um, they would need they would need to flip a big big switch to be able to beat George on Saturday. And I've got another question that's not in here, and it's mostly a joke. But there have been a lot of message boards from Tennessee fans that have gone up about Georgia uses chemtrails to make it rain during their biggest games. Are there any Tennessee fans that legitimately believe that? I don't know. I don't go message boards. I never have. <laughs> Probably solid. I've just seen screenshots yeah. because that. Yeah, I, 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 I don't go and. I mean, I don't think it takes. It doesn't even take a lot of bravery to call a radio station, but it takes even less bravery to post on a message board under <laughs> Jimmy Joe Vol eighty nine. Yeah, and I mean, if you just want to look back historically, it rains in November in the state of Georgia. It's our rainy season. Go back to 2019, Texas A&M and Kentucky both played in Athens, and it poured down rain the entire time. You realize you're giving credence to Joey Jimball 89 right now, right? (laughs) Well, It rained in November until Kirby got here. I am telling him that he is stupid for not understanding weather. You're continuing to give credence to Jimmy (laughs) Jimball 89. Sometimes I can't help myself. So life's, what, life's too short to worry about Jimmy Joval eighty nine. That's fair. That that's a great point. Um, so what are you most concerned about this weekend? 
Uh, me personally, um, gosh, I mean, I guess getting all my stories on offthehooksports.com, <laughs> hosting the best show I can, um, providing quality content for Tennessee fans. I mean, that would be my number one concern. If um, we're talking about Tennessee, I think their uh, number one concern is they could get embarrassed at home. And there, it's one thing to get beat 35 to 24 or something like that to what I believe is the number one team in the nation. I'll have to watch the college football playoff on Tuesday to tell you that Georgia is the number one team in the nation. Um, so, but to get beat like Ole Miss got beat at home, what was that, 58 to 14? Was that the final? 52 17. 52 17. Okay. So if you got beat like that at home, youch. You may never know who it is, but I covered recruiting for a long, long time. You may never know who it is, but that's going to cost you a four-star somewhere. Yeah. And so that, that to me, is would be Tennessee's biggest concern. I mean, Florida's seen, Florida seen that over the last couple of weeks. They had, a, they had a player flip to Auburn last week and a player flip to Georgia this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're a train wreck. <sighs> I don't hate to see it, though. This year. Yeah. Yeah, not 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 a good look. Um, all right, so to kind of get away from this game real quick. Uh, just just touch on the college football news. Do you have a a take on who do you want to see take the A and M job or the Mississippi State job, or I should either or? Um, State. I would like to see Dan Mullen go back there. Yeah, I said the same thing. Um, I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, I think he's a great fit for that. Uh, okay, so can I pick? But for, so for the A and M job, can I pick anybody? Just who I want, not who I think will go there. I mean, you can do both. Okay. Uh, I, w- I would say who I think will go there. Oh, I don't. I don't know. I don't really have any insight. Who I would like for to go there would be Lane Kiffin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even know. I've been so busy. I don't even know if he's been rumored to be he is. in the conversation. But I know he. he Wanted the LSU job. He wanted the Florida job. He wanted the Auburn job. AM job would provide him with a lot of money um, mm-hmm. to funnel the NIL uh, uh, transfers. Here's the other thing to remember uh, Tennessee uh, fired Philip Fulmer because, uh, during the season instead of waiting until after the season. Why? Because Lane Kiffin had talked to Washington. Tennessee thought they were going to miss out on Lane Kiffin. That he was going to go to Washington. So there's somebody out there, and I don't know who it is. There's somebody out there that A&M likes that they think they're not going to get unless they fired Jimbo Fisher, which they did during the season, and start pursuing a coach. I don't know who that is. Could it be Lane Kiffin? Good. It wouldn't completely stun me. But it's somebody out there they want that they felt like, hey, we're going to have to do this during the middle of the season and get this ball rolling because we messed the bed so bad it's time to fix it. And, again, I don't know who that is, but they feel like they've got to get going now. All right. If you've got just a few more minutes, we uh, we got some games for you to pick with us. Okay. And we're going to give I'm you terrible at the, Terrible at this, though. I'll warn you. I, <laughs> I haven't been doing so great since about week five, so you, we're in the same boat. 
Okay. Um, so we're going to give you the spread and the over-under, but we just need a straight-up pick. First one, Utah at Arizona, who is a one-point home favorite, over-under 44.5. I'll take Utah. I think that's a uh, – I'll take Utah there. Next one, staying in the Big 12 or Pac-12, Washington going to Oregon State, who are two-and-a-half-point home favorites, over-under 63.5. I will take Washington. I love the Huskies. Uh, Kansas at Kansas State. Um, I actually got that wrong. It's Kansas State at Kansas, who are eight-point home favorites, over under 56 and a half. Kansas. I like Kansas. Yeah. Are we talking the cover or straight up? Straight up. Okay, Kansas. And then we got to pick this game. Georgia, 10-point favorites, going to Tennessee, over under 59. Okay, so we're going with that. What was the number you went with? I'd heard nine and a half. Is it up to ten? I so it started at eleven. I moved down to ten and a half, then nine and a half, and when I checked it about an hour and a half ago, it was ten. Okay. By the way, that isn't that the strangest number ever? Don't you? Wouldn't you think Georgia yeah. would be like a fourteen to seventeen point favorite? Uh, well, ever since the close calls at Auburn and Vandy, Vegas is playing it safe. It's been inconsistent to say the least. I mean, I mean, Georgia's capable of blowouts. Been like, like John said, games against Auburn, games against uh, Missouri. Even though Missouri's a good team, obviously. I so, mean, let me ask you guys. Let me ask. Let me ask you guys to bet on Tennessee to make a financial investment. I know you guys emotionally want Georgia to win, but to make a financial investment, how many points would Tennessee have to catch? I wouldn't bet on Tennessee short of. I mean, if I were making the number, and I don't have a big building in Vegas, 16 and a half. Can't believe it's 10. I really can't. Yeah. I, I tend to agree with you. I think Tennessee being at home and playing really well at home for the most part. Um, yeah, but they've played a bunch. Of, they've also played a bunch of adults at home. Yeah. It's fair. Um, and then... <laughs> but Tennessee is such a different team at home versus like the road, too. Yeah. Like but there, but different. see, the difference is last year they were very good at home and they were good on the road. This mm. year they're good at home and very average to bad on the road. It's like the scale's been shifted down. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Milton effect. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> much so. Um, well, I mean, I, 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 I've got to take Georgia to not only cover, but what was the over under? Fifty nine. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm taking the over too, and it's more because Georgia than it's Tennessee. I mean, I really like what I've seen out of Carson Beck these past couple of weeks. I mean, I listen. I love Stetson Bennett. I think he's a great story. If somebody called me and said, "You would you like to uh, with Stetson write his autobiography?" I probably would as soon as he got out of the drunk tank. But I, I I like him a lot. I think it's a great story. But let's face it, Carson Beck has a lot more talent. And I think he's a, I think he's going to blossom into a really good football player and take this Georgia offense. And fans don't want to hear this, but I think he's going to take this Georgia offense to another level. So I would have to take um, Georgia, you know, with I'd still have to take Georgia to win by. I've got it somewhere in the thirty-seven to twenty-three realm. So pretty pretty easily over the ten, actually, in in my mind. I I still somehow some way have what we call uh, Mark Richt anxiety syndrome, 
of where I'm convinced we're going to lose every game. I don't. Is that known as? I think the acronym of that's MRAS. Yes. Get a bad case of MRAS. Yes. Um, (laughs) Yeah. No, we. um, I had it last year. I have it this year. And the first. There's nothing like a bad case of MRAS. Yeah. The first four or five games of the season definitely didn't help. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Need some ointment for that. I think you're going to. It's a real epidemic. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That mass (laughs) spreads too. Like nobody's business. Hey, I think, yeah, I think you're. <laughs> I, I I think you can. Uh, I, I think your morass won't get agitated uh, this week. I think you'll be fine. So, I hope so. I, yeah, I hope so. Uh, this team. Um, I mean, George is in the middle of something really, really good. And is this is this two or three championships or or four or five? If I had to bet a mortgage payment on it, I'd go four or five. It makes me feel a little better, but I still <laughs> yeah. get anxious. I, I mean, I'm type superstitious where I wear the same outfit for every game. I wash it. I'm not gross, but I wear the same outfit every game. I refuse to wear any of the uh, opposing team's colors that day. Like, I, yeah, it's bad. It's bad. I'm willing to admit it. Well, it's understandable. I mean, we're to the point, we live in the same city. We don't watch the game together because the last time that we watched the game together outside of the Auburn game, it was the uh, 2021 SEC championship. But that was the last time Georgia lost. So, yeah. And then it, we watched the Auburn game this year together and they almost lost to a bad Auburn team. So after yeah. that, it's it's over. We're done. We live 20 minutes yeah, away not, and never watch another game together. Yeah, we're not going to mess with that. Understandable. Understandable. Well, thank you guys for, yes, for having me on. I apologize for the delay. Oh, um, perfectly fine. Yeah, kind of had a, a, a weird day there, but we don't have to go into that. The uh, uh, If I can help you guys out in any shape, form, or fashion, you be sure and uh, and and let me know. Yes, sir. I might um I might be reaching out to you about something. I don't necessarily want to say it yet, but um might be reaching out to you about something that we kind of touched on a couple times tonight. Okay, great. Well, uh, you do so, and you've got my number, and yes, uh, you got you have ha- you guys have a uh, blessed evening. You as well. You too. You too. Thank you so much. See you guys. Bye. Okay. All right, guys. Um, we're gonna go ahead and get into calling the dogs here before oh, we and we gotta pick this into- game too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was gonna say before we pick this oh. game, um, because I need to use the restroom again. And um, not going to make the same mistake. So here is this week's <laughs> Call on the Dogs. Full disclosure, we just got a new seven-month-old lab puppy, and my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter thinks that they are professional wrestlers. So if I abruptly hang up the call and you hear screaming as you, uh, that is why. But anyway, we got a big one this week, or at least it was supposed to be a big game this week between the Georgia Bulldogs and the Tennessee Volunteers. It was supposed to be perhaps the best two-loss team in the country with a high-powered offense. And the Missouri <laughs> said, nope, actually, we're going to expose this team before you even get the chance to. So, you know, it's hard to get hyped up for this game. You know, last year, they were allegedly the number one team in the country. They had a whole four days to celebrate being the number one team in the country before we ripped their throats out in Sanford Stadium. This time... We don't necessarily get that pleasure, but you know Tennessee fans are still talking. You know they're still talking because they still got one thing going for them that they think is the best thing going for them. You know, I lost my train of thought with going, but they think it's untouchable. Neyland Stadium. 
Oh, oh, how cute. They sit here thinking, because they beat Alabama one time last year in 15 tries, they think that Neyland Stadium is suddenly this amazing environment to play in. Well, guess what? If, if they hadn't said it already, I'm, I'm, I mean to send this statistic to them. So hopefully they said it already and I can just build off of it. If not, my bad. You can look it up yourself. Kirby Smart has not lost as a coach in Neyland Stadium since 1999. You know, since that year, Prince thought, this millennium, as a head coach, Kirby Smart has not lost a game as a coach in Newland Stadium, which is a wild statistic. Since he got to Georgia, I don't remember what the number is. They'll have the number. They've blown the, beaten the brakes off of them every time they've gone to Newland Stadium. You're not going to get any magical Hail Marys opportunities from this team this year. I know, Emerson. You're not going to get it. What you're going to get like you always get when the dogs come to Neyland Stadium, when Kirby Smart comes to Neyland Stadium, is an ass-whooping. Yeah. So all week, all week, I've listened to people try to convince me that this Tennessee team actually has a really good chance to beat Georgia. So I'm not saying Tennessee has no chance. I'm never going to say any football team has no chance to beat us. And I actually think of all the teams that Georgia has played this season, Tennessee probably ranks second or third, maybe fourth, in terms of teams that have a chance to beat us. That's true. So please don't take anything else I'm going to say as trying to downplay Tennessee's chances to win. They have a chance. I don't think the chance is as particularly good as everybody is trying to say, but that's just par for the course this season, isn't it? You know, say Georgia's going to lose, Georgia wins convincingly, downplay their opponent, lather, rinse, repeat. That's just sort of how the cycle goes. This week, the number one reason people are giving me that Tennessee might win this game is that it is at Neyland Stadium in Knoxville, Tennessee. Now, I'm not going to do the full stat breakdown of how Kirby and these Georgia Bulldogs have done in Knoxville because that should have already been done, hopefully. I sent in those numbers to John and Mike. So hopefully they've already read all those stats to you and you already know exactly how dominant these guys are in Neyland Stadium. So I'm not worried about Neyland Stadium necessarily, the environment, whatever. We got Carson Beck out there, cool hand, Luke. Nobody should be worried about that. <clears throat> Our defense is clicking at the right time. Our offense is clicking at the right time. And now we got some bulletin board material, too, because I don't know if y'all talked about this. Cooper Mays is saying, look, Georgia's just going to be a stepping stone to us getting over the top and that being our success. This Georgia game is our stepping stone. Well, look, Hooper, I'm going to be honest with you, I have never heard of you in my entire life. Never. I'm assuming you're either Cade's little brother or you're Billy's son. I don't know. But here's what I do know. Cooper Mays. What I do know is that the only thing y'all are stepping into this weekend is an ass whooping. And the other thing I know is that this college football career you got over here at Tennessee is a stepping stone to you owning a car dealership in Knoxville, Tennessee. So pipe down with the stepping stone top because you ain't going to be able to back it up on Saturday. No, uh, uh, uh. And let me tell you exactly what's going to happen this Saturday. The Tennessee crowd are going to get all riled up. They're going to get all excited. That Tennessee offense is probably going to come out on the first drive and score a touchdown like everybody else has this season. And the crowd is going to start feeling themselves that they can, oh, man, we actually have a chance dead, 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 immediately. Because that's what these guys do. You come out with a game plan 
and Georgia adjusts to it, and we whoop that candy ass every single time, and it's going to be no different. Thank you again to uh, Caleb Tilliams. Caleb Tillman. I combined like three names there. Good <laughs> Lord. What am I doing tonight? All right. Hey, but I, I heard it though. I heard it live. You heard what live? I heard I heard the call. I didn't have to go back oh. and listen later. Yeah. Oh, I don't know what you did go. different, but I heard it. Um, I don't know what I did different either. Um, well, um, correction. OBS um required me to update it tonight. Which oh, cool. OBS is our streaming software. Um so they required me to update it tonight. So whatever they did is working. Cool. Sweet. Uh, we got a Caleb mentioned it while you're uh, while you were gone that we need to read the stats that he gave us. I don't have my phone with me, or else I read got it. it pulled up. Yeah. Um. So despite Tennessee fans saying that Neyland Stadium is a difficult environment, Kirby Smart has not lost a game in Neyland Stadium as a coach since 1999 when he was an administrative assistant in the coaching office at the University of Georgia. So calling him a coach at the time would be generous. Um, despite Tennessee fans saying that Neyland Stadium is a difficult environment, in the Kirby or in the Mark Rick Kirby Smart eras, Georgia is eight and three inside of Neyland Stadium. Despite Tennessee fans saying that Neyland Stadium is a difficult environment, Kirby Smart as a head coach at Georgia is three and zero. Oh, inside of Neyland Stadium, outscoring them 126 to 31 for an average score of 42 to 10. Ooh. This is straight from Caleb. When I was in my communications classes in college, Caleb's communication classes in college, I didn't take communication classes. Um, the bright color orange Tennessee uses was specifically banned from use in our logo designs because no professional organization should ever use such a gaudy, pretentious color like this <laughs> if it ever wants to attract customers. <laughs> I don't know the factual nature of that statement, but, you know, if if our Jamie pulls it up, it, it's a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, Tennessee is currently on a 14-game home winning streak, which they love bragging about. The teams include, of course, Alabama, and also juggernauts like Vandy, Ball State, UT Martin, 2023 South Carolina, Akron, UConn, 2022, Florida, uh, UTSA, 2022, Missouri, and a Texas A&M team who, as of this week, fired their head coach, Kentucky and South Alabama. Those are all the teams they've beaten in these 14 games. Yeah, not a murderer's row. Okay. Uh, Some would say a murdered row. um, Skid row. Yeah. That's a good one, too. Uh, the last team to beat Tennessee in Neyland was Georgia. Everyone was insisting this would be a hard game for Georgia because of the environment as well. That was 2021. Um, I was at my one of my best friend's weddings um, and didn't get to watch this entire game in 2021. Um, but I do remember there was a South Carolina fan that said, I hope Tennessee beats the shit out of Georgia. And I told him that I hope somebody totals his car while it's parked. So if that tells you anything. <laughs> um, and Josh Heupel has lost to every current coach in the SEC East except Mark Stoops and Clark Lee. And Kirby Smart has mm. lost to none of the current coaches in the SEC East. Ooh, I like that one. 
Um, he did send us some stuff earlier today, so I will definitely have to uh, search for that because this group chat gets absolutely wild. Um, you think we go on tangents? Yeah. I'm, I'm a big part of that, but yeah. Um, okay, Caleb, I apologize. I can't find the stuff he sent today. Oh, also, I just saw where you wanted us to delete your first voicemail. My bad. Um, so anyways. <laughs> Wait, was that the first one? Oh, no, that was both of them back to back. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, Caleb, you got about four minutes of airtime tonight. So <laughs> my bad. My bad. Um, and you even tagged me in the message, which makes me feel even dumber. Because normally I say tag me if you want me to read something. But is what it is. Mike, what's your thoughts on this game? So, <clears throat> excuse me. Hmm. Like we were talking about with uh, with our guest, I was, as far as like picking the game, it, it's been pretty unpredictable. Like you, you know, have games where like, you know, you have Kentucky and obviously this Ole Miss game where it's a complete blowout. And, you know, you're hoping for that and you're pleasantly surprised when it happens or or I don't know, I maybe not pleasantly surprised, but at least happy that it happens because obviously you want every game to be like that because uh, we're unrealistic for the most part. But I do think that Georgia covers this game. Um, I think just like the script has gone the last, I mean, pre <clears throat> pretty much every SEC game, every game of consequence that Georgia's played this year, they'll probably get down early. Um, this, you know, first quarter defense mixed with Josh Hype scripting everything. Probably not going to be good. Probably going to be down early, but then just like again, the rest of the the rest of the season, um, being able to clamp it down, make adjustments, and and you know shut down Joe Milton and just you know give the opposing fan base some hope at least you know a little bit into the game, and then just completely crush them. The the joyless joyless murder ball that Alabama promised at the beginning of the season, which I mean they've kind of made it as of late, but it took them a while. For That's what I want to see. Season, Alabama's joyless murder ball was joyless for their fan. Yeah, exactly. Except for the last what, like two, three weeks? Uh two and a half, maybe three and a half. Um, since the second half of the Tennessee game. Yeah, it's been yeah, and again they haven't really played anybody either. So there's well, that. I mean, well, Tennessee, LSU, I guess. Yeah, I was about to say they were even down against LSU going into the half. So maybe, mm -hmm. maybe if you combine it all two weeks. Mm -hmm. yeah it's been yeah, okay so it's been it's been up and down but um it's, yeah i i want to see more of what um the running game did again i, I obviously don't think kendall's going to necessarily do exactly what he did because again tennessee's rush defense is really good but um for them to be effective carson stay clean um it's just kind of what i want to do i want to make sure nobody gets hurt on that god-awful fucking field they have there and it's real grass. That's what surprises me the most. It's real grass, mm. and people get hurt all the time when it's mostly AstroTurf that people get hurt on. Mm. Well, like at the cocktail party, uh, what's-his-face for uh, Florida when they resodded it, like, the week of that game was Yeah, I, I really feel like that was potentially the nail in the coffin for, um, for the current contract in Jacksonville. 
It could have been because it, it, could, it could have been us. It could have been Georgia. Oh, Luckily. yeah. That, you know, Kirby takes injury seriously regardless of what team it's on. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think I think both schools are kind of pissed at the way the city of Jacksonville handled that, but that's a tangent for another day. Yeah, no, plenty of time in the offseason. But again, I think Georgia does cover this game. It's going to um, finish the SEC slate off. Again, undefeated for the third year in a row. So let's go. All right, guys. So, so I'm going to go a little bit different than I have over the last two weeks. Um, and so what what I really expect in this game is I expect the run game to struggle. I, you know, I talk trash about Tennessee all the time. And, you know, I feel like they've earned a good bit of that, especially their fan base. But their running defense is legit. Mm-hmm. And regardless of what happens on Saturday. Well, Cody, Cody. Cody Schrader is the, uh, Cody Schrader is the best running back in the SEC this season, strictly because he has not gotten hurt and he does not share a backfield. Like, mm-hmm. Nathaniel Pete's good, and he will be great next year in this in that Mizzou offense. Mm-hmm. But Cody Schrader, in, you know, wild tangent, it's because he worked his ass off to get there. He takes yeah. no days off. I, yeah, he's like a six-string running back going. I was about to say, I, there's a story about him at some point of where he mispracticed due to a test or like a medical appointment or something and got – the plays that the offense ran during practice and ran through them at like midnight that day. So wow. he didn't miss practice. Like Cody Schrader, as far as like individuals and work ethic and ability goes, is top 1% of the population. So comparing him to just about anybody is unfair. Like I, this season made me a huge Cody Schrader fan. Um, his story, everything about him. That's a tangent for another day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure you guys can hear at this point, I am out of hot tea, so my voice is going to absolute dog shit right now. So I'll try and get through this pretty quick. Um, I don't expect the team to run the ball well. I think Dejan Edwards is going to have his day in the pass game. I think Kendall Milton is going to get plenty of short yardage situations. Um, one thing I've really liked about Kendall Milton, especially last week, is that even when they went to tackle him low, he was able to step through those tackles and keep going. So I think Kendall Milton's not only progressing as a player, but I think he's helping his offense a good bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Carson's going to fucking eat. Yeah. I really do. Mm-hmm. Because this secondary is not great. I think they've been helped a lot, Tennessee secondary. I think they've been helped a lot by their competition. But this defense... I really think is going to feast on Joe Milton. I personally, like if there's a turnovers player prop or like a team prop for uh turnover margin, I'm thinking Georgia's plus two on the day. I just, I don't think that anybody they have left on this team can withstand the punishment of this Georgia defense, especially the punishment they've been putting on over the last few weeks, whether mm-hmm. it's getting to the quarterback in the secondary, I don't really think it matters. Um, but the outside run game between Joe Milton and these running backs, especially Dylan Sampson, I think he's probably the best running back in that backfield, regardless of usage. That scares me. I do think Georgia covers this. I do also think that it's uncomfortable in the first quarter, potentially up until about halfway through the second quarter. But 
I think the dogs win this big by the end of the game. I think talent and death outweighs what what Tennessee has going on. But don't let that take away from what I said earlier about I think Josh Heifel's building this Tennessee team the right way, and I do think that they will be a good team down the road. I just think this year is kind of like their big transition year into being that good team. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got dogs winning probably closer to 17, 24, something like that than, uh, than the 10 that Vegas has it at. I'm still not putting money on this game. I also think the over hits probably, well, I was going to say 42, 17, but that wouldn't even hit. So just for the over, I'm not bet. I'm not putting the over in our spreadsheet, but I think 45, 17, I think the over probably hits and I think Georgia wins probably, uh, Probably fairly comfortably, even after a first half that's closer than we would like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there for sure. That all makes sense. I think so. Just, just, to, just to reiterate, if Georgia's down by a score or you know, or or two early on, it will even itself out. Just, I, I would think. I mean, I wouldn't be nervous until the second half if it's still looking like that. Honestly, again, Josh Heupel in the first quarter is like the goat in terms of just scheming up stuff on offense. And obviously Georgia has struggled um, relatively struggled in the first quarter to kind of, a, to, you know, stop uh, opposing offenses, but you know, I, it'll, you know, water finds its level. Tennessee loses at, at home to Georgia okay, quite frequently. So Kirby, like I said, Kirby hasn't lost there. What, what, what did he always say since 99 as a, a grad assistant? Kirby, has oh, well, a, well, Kirby coach team, I should say, when he's on the staff. A, with Kirby or in Georgia, whatever staff, he said. Georgia has not lost since 1999. There we go. There. So I, I, I got most of that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's again sad that this is the 11th game. <laughs> We're almost it done. Really is. It is. It, it's, it's flown by. Um, do you mind doing the normal the normal out stuff? Yeah, yeah, I got you. All right, so uh, make sure that you again check out our our millions uh, merch page. Again, we got t shirts or t shirt hoodie with the same design, youth sizes, adult sizes, all that's there, and uh, ships fairly quickly. So uh, that would be a huge help for uh, us. And then again, like we talked about earlier, pretty pretty badass stuff. The uh, Instagram is uh, it. Nothing.finder.pod, uh, Twitter, X, is uh, finer pod, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Facebook group, make sure you get in there, uh, you know, posting the show and all kinds of things in there. The uh, Facebook page, which I, you know, go up and down on, <laughs> get super involved or, you know, not. So, but get in there. I'll comment on stuff and try to get in fights with people um, <laughs> in different, in different groups and in pages and stuff. So that's always fun. Um, but, uh, besides that, uh, you got anything else? That's it. All right. Um, so do you want me to do the whole thing? Yeah, you do the next part and I'll finish it. Oh shit. It'll be a first. It'll be a first. Oh shit. This, this is weird. All right. There's nothing finer in the land than a drunk, obnoxious Georgia fan.